I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Are you serious? So this is how to kill an hour. My name is Marcus Bronzy. And my name is producer Bill. Yeah, man. Back. Back in the game. Like we never left. Season two. Season two of How to Kill an Hour has started and our season one lasted four years. So who knows how long season two is going to last, Bill? Why are we season two? I hear you asking. Should we even share it in this episode? Should we share that with the listeners over the next few episodes? Should we do that, Billy? I reckon we should. Good. Hint, maybe. I mean, there's changes. Changes have happened. The show's gone through puberty. Its balls have dropped. It's got some hairs on its chest or it's got some boobs and its cycle has started. However you want to see it, yeah, that is where the, that, that's where we're going with How to Kill an Hour. Is that fair enough to say, boy? Is that enough? Am I alluding to enough there? Uh, that's good. That's good for me. So if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, then um, we should break it down for you, really. How to Kill an Hour is a show, in essence, where we look for new ways to kill time i am one of your hosts marcus bronzy you will find me regularly across episodes producer bill will be joining us for many of the episodes and our line our stellar lineup of presenters which we will reveal to you over the next few weeks will be joining us on how to kill an hour as well alongside some amazing guests because as it turns out people love talking about tech way more than we thought we thought we were in a little niche when we started this podcast way back in it bill Definitely, definitely, like a little tiny little niche. Tiny little niche. But what we did is we threw a chisel, is that right? A crowbar into that niche and busted that bitch right open. Definitely. <laughs> Claret everywhere. <laughs> Claret everywhere. Oh, freaking hell, that got a bit funky. But yeah, so there's lots of things we do on the show. Um, mainly, we like to talk about how we kill time. Now, there are different ways we approach that. We have a part of the show which is called our killer bit, where we talk about where, how we've been killing a bit of time. This can be an app. This can be an activity that we do. This could be an electric car that we have driven, for example. I'll be, be speaking to you about in a little while. And after that, we get into our guest segment of the show as well. Now, this week, we are joined by Chris Kamara, legend footballer, football manager, and pundit of sorts. And he's also done lots of other television as well. Is it, was it, what else has he done? Uh, nin- is it Ninja Warrior did he do? Ninja Warrior with uh, Ben Shepard. Ninja Warrior with Ben Shepard, which if you are from the States, like some of our listeners are, Ninja, Ninja Warrior is kind of like Takeshi's Castle, which I'm sure is seen all over the world, but with different voiceovers. It's basic. Is there, ninja, is there a Ninja Warrior US? There is, isn't it? It's like Gladiators, right? Like the, like the last, the final part of Gladiators. It's similar. I think. I think we, Ninja Warrior is the UK is like a UK version of like a US. 
Is it called Ninja Warrior in the US? I wouldn't know. Yeah. I'm not American. It is. There you go. So yeah, Chris Kamara is a, is a TV presenter, but he comes from a very uh, big football background. So we had him on the show to talk about everything from his comedic punditry uh, all the way across to his, his appearances on TV and also what it was like in the 80s and 70s being a footballer. Do you know what I mean? Which was um, a very interesting time. It gets deep, but there's lots of jokes in there as well. And of course, we talk about his Christmas album. We will put a link to that right at the top of the show description. Go and copy it because by the time this episode comes out, the run up to Christmas will be happening. And he's looking for a Christmas chart topper, isn't he, Bill? He's looking for that illustrious number one. That illustrious. Listen, if you're going to reach, yeah, reach high. And I'll tell you what, it is a good sounding album it's a great sounding album because Christmas music has a very special place in my heart right outside of December I've got no time for Christmas music but as soon as December starts and you put a little Christmas jam on in fact actually a few weeks ago for for Phillips Hue uh, I can talk about that actually as part of my killer bit for Phillips Hue uh, there was a brand new product launch and they asked me to DJ on John Lewis's roof garden in the center of london which they did up and made like it was like, called hewlett christmas there was loads of like fancy hue lights and 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 artifacts and things artifacts hue lights and bits and bobs that we could um have a go on and i i did a christmas mix and i managed to find like four hours of remixes of christmas tunes all r&b christmas songs it was great man had otis from the gadget show down there uh his two fellow mates uh called Glassmates uh from the trio that is Glassmates, the collective the group of uh, guys that love to sample and imbibe beverages like no one else can uh and a few other uh, well-known heads popped down as well so it was a nice little vibe down there because for my first killer bit let's get right into it the hue hdmi sync box which is did you know what that was, Bill? Do you know what it is? Shall I explain what that is? Uh, I know what it is, but does the audience know what it is? Okay, cool. If you I might know. not know what it is. It's a, it's a HDMI hub, so you can plug four HDMI devices into the back of it, and then one HDMI lead plugs into your TV. All right, cool. Means that you've got slightly neater wires, which is actually one small benefit from it. But if you have smart lights from Hue, what it does is it actually reads the pixels that are going out of your HDMI device, like your PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, Sky, Now TV, whatever, feeds that into the box and the box works out where your lights are in the house after you instruct it and it transmits specific lights depending on what's on your television. Long story short, I've got a light strip behind the TV and a couple of lights to the left and right hand side of it. The TV goes orange when there's an explosion. TV goes like red when there's a load of red on the screen. A really simple touch, but it's so effective when it kind of comes to immersing you in TV. And I think before they did have this, but you needed the Philips TV. But now you don't need the Philips TV. You just need the box and you can turn all of your lights like, you know, you can sync them. And I think you can sync up to 10 lights as well. So you can sync. That's more than enough for a room. I don't think I would ever need more than 10 lights in a room. I've got like Six. That's the most I've got in one room. So yeah. It does look pretty cool. And you can actually see it in action. Oh yeah, I did a video of it, did an unboxing for our new um one of our new one of our new pubetic features. Can I call it that? Pubetic. I don't know if that's a word. That says that even a word. Pubetic, pubescent features is uh what's in the box, which is our unboxing uh videos that we do on on Facebook, then on YouTube, and we'll pop them out on the IGTV as well. So that's our unboxing series that we've got out. Whenever we unbox something, it's called What's in the Box? What's in the Box? So uh, that's, that's that new feature. Named by Billy. Good name for that, Bill. 
Did I name it? Or was it, was it like back? a collaborative effort? I think I was just going, was it a box? Because I love watching Seven. That's like one of my favourite horror films. And um, just yeah. Brad Pitt at the end does some of the best or, debatably, the worst acting he's done in his life. He's like, oh, come on. Oh, was it a box? Was it a box? Was it a box? So that's what we call it. What's in the box? Was it a box? The more you mush the words together, the better it sounds. What's in the box? Um... So yeah, that's a feature that we've got, so you can check that out. And I think, can we do a few more killer bits before we jump into Chris Kamara? If you really have no interest in hearing about some cool tech that's out there, feel free to fast forward. I won't be offended. <laughs> but um, yeah, what should, I, should I step into some other stuff, Bill? I'll tell you what I've been doing. Before, we've been do, before we talk about techie stuff, I have been going through the Argos catalogue again this year. Now, I think this is a generational thing whether you appreciate the Argos catalogue or not. Billy, do you appreciate the Argos catalogue? I remember flicking through the Argos catalogue, yes. What is the Argos catalogue to you? It's like, uh, to all the young people out there, they should just imagine Amazon, but in physical form. In a book. It was an encyclopedia of everything that was cool, right? And you flicked to the back, because at the back it was all the toys. Kids' toys, you know. Did you ever, you didn't ever look at it, it was like jewellery at the front. It was like... D- then it's like garden stuff wasn't it no one paid any attention no one paid that. any attention to that i started looking at the tv stuff when i got a bit older because obviously i'm a big man and i'm thinking yeah i want to get a whole like 40 inch tv do you know what i mean because yeah, like, and the they all had like time. a specific smell as well the argos book yeah you did you're right you're right they did have a specific smell didn't they mm. it was like the argos smell you can't really explain it in, unless you knew what an argos book was yeah and i didn't really a book i love the fact you call it a book should we hype up anymore the encyclopedia that was <laughs> that was Argos. And I never don't think me and Billy went around sniffing books, but because they were so big when you used to flick the pages, you got like a waft yeah. into your face. And from Argos as well, I mean you probably still are familiar with Argos. Like there's loads that have moved in Sainsbury's now. You take the code of the item down, walk into the shop, give them the code, they'd go into the back and get you the goods and deliver them to you instantly. So good. It was, that was like Amazon before Amazon, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was good. It's worth the wait when you get the put the thing down, give it to the person, then you're waiting like two, three minutes. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I always feel like they took ages as well. Like in the back, they went in the back and had like half a cigarette, and then got your stuff and came back out again. It lo- it looked like a fun place to work. Argos, didn't it? it looked like a bit of a dos. If you if he was in the back, maybe. Yeah, if you're in the back room, that looked like a jokes thing to do. So yeah, there you go. I've been looking at the Argos catalogue and uh, the original Brook of Dreams. They've been actually dishing out Argos catalogues, haven't they? But they did this a little while back, but there might be some knocking around. Um, there's actually a full website for Argos. Oh, they've got the argosbookofdreams.co.uk where you can look at old Argos catalogues. Jeez, I'm looking at one now. They used to look so regal. Purple, purple book with big gold Argos writing on it. They used to be the shit, man. Yeah, so you can check that out. Look what old people used to look at and get excited about before there was the internet. So what else have I been killing time with? Can we do some more, Bill? Where are we at time-wise? Because I want to jump into Cami soon. All right, we'll jump into Cami soon after this. Also got given a Capcom Home Arcade. That's also one. What's in a box? What's in a box? As well. Capcom Home Arcade. Again, this is one for my older generation out there, but um, appreciate this if you're young as well. Before at arcades, we used to have a stick and six buttons. That was the standard set of buttons that you used to use when you played computer games, right? 
stick six buttons arcade style uh now there's still a lot of gamers out there that still use the stick and buttons when they're gaming out there they feel that it gives them a better vibe but most of us are used to the regular control pad in our hands sexy uh, computer but what this is is the capcom home arcade is an all-in-one box that you can plug into your computer via hdmi that has a selection of classic capcom games now there's a whole bunch i won't reel through them all it has got street fighter though street fighter 2 you win it's got those and that is one of my favorite computer games ever there's nothing better than letting off a hadouken from ryu in street fighter 2 were you a street fighter 2 player billy yes yes just kept it nice and simple who was your go-to player ryu or ken I'm not, I'll uh, admit I like a bit of Ken with the uh, Shryuken. Shryuken. What was the Shry? Was the Shryuken the uppercut? No, that was the. Oh, you good, good point. I the Hadouken was the, was the fireball the spinning leg. No, that was Futsutuken. That's what it was. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Futsutuken and the Shryuken was the uppercut and the Hadouken. Hadouken. That was the Hadouken. Mm, mm. Yoga flame. That was Dow Sims. Fire truck. Fire truck. Who's that? Did he say it? Who said that? Fire truck. It sounds like fire Does it truck. sound like fire truck? Is it Yoga flame. That wasn't him. That was, uh, I can't remember. If some, someone's listening will know what I mean. Fire truck. It sounds like a fire truck, but it's not. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, so um, there's that. There's Final Fight as well, which is one of the games that kind of it influenced Street Fighter. So kind of games like Streets of Rage and Final Fight, those games we could roam around, co-op and bust up loads of punks on the streets of some you know metro town somewhere in the states those games where you'd have a turkey on the side as a power-up item and if you ate the turkey it would bring all of your power levels back up to 100 percent. one of those games um did you ever partake in games like that streets of rage final fight uh not really i mean more of a street fighter kind of guy more a street fighter kind of guy i love i love co-op beat-em-ups i if they they're about to bring out streets of rage 4 but if they bring out a new co-op beat-em-up I'm up for that as well. And who knows, they might even put some more or port some more games onto this Capcom home arcade because it's got a USB output on it or an input. So you can probably plug a USB in there and update it. Maybe some guys are out there cracking it. I wouldn't suggest they do. But it's nice, man. I didn't clarify. It's a two-player unit as well. So it's like this big kind of centerpiece, kind of the size of a medium-sized coffee, no, small coffee table. What do you say it is in width? What are you looking at? I'd say... Two and a half PlayStation 4s. Two and a half PlayStation 4s next to each other. So it's like nice. It's a nice device. It looks very cool. It's the shape of the Capcom logo. No, it's not the next generation of console. But I think if you like it a bit of retro, it's a nice little fun centerpiece. Kind of thing that we like here at How to Kill an Hour. A few games before we have before we go out over a few beers. It's that kind of vibe, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. We were, before we move on to the interview, about to uh, get Funk Butcher to come on and talk about Death Stranding. Because I understand we've spoken about a lot of retro stuff. Death Stranding is something that we uh, Funk's reviewed. He's got a very interesting POV of it, actually, that he wants to bring to the table. But unfortunately, busted up his wrist playing football. So he's not able to come in today. Poor old Funk Butcher. Playing, uh, I, won't, I won't finish that sentence there. Playing uh, the what? Playing with... Uh, <clears throat> playing the flute. Playing, yeah. <laughs> Nah, get well soon, Funk. It was, a, it was a football injury, he promises us. Playing with balls. Playing with balls, that's it. Too bad, too bad. But, um, oh, one more thing, Bill. One more thing before we get into Cami. A couple of weeks back, went over to LA with Ford to try out the new electric Mustang. So, 
a couple of weeks before that, we actually got flown out to Dusseldorf to have a look at the vehicle, but we were sworn to secrecy. In fact, it got to a point where <laughs> we actually were sworn to secrecy when we were in LA and we thought we might not actually be able to film anything before the actual review release. But we actually got to try out this new vehicle from Mustang now, from Ford. Now, if you know Mustang, you know it's got a loud engine, you're looking at V8s, you're looking at, you know, big muscle vehicles. So when when I heard that Mustang were bringing out an SUV that was electric, I was, I didn't know how to feel, Billy. I was a little bit, not skeptical is not the word, I was worried about what they'd showed to us. So when we went to Dusseldorf and they unveiled the vehicle, I was like, fuck, it's really, really nice. And they've definitely taken the Mustang name to add some fire to this vehicle. Now, it's not just a cheap shot. I think they're trying to say as Ford that they are proud enough of this product to put it alongside their best-selling vehicles because Ford sell Mustangs and F-150 trucks. That's like what they sell the most of in the States, right? So big American cars, like both of them. So for them to put the Mustang label on it is quite a brave thing to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So... um when they revealed the, revealed the vehicle, it's got Mustang hints to it. So it's got the Mustang tail lights. It's got uh, the horses, horses all over it. You can see the stallions all over it. Um, but it's also a very smart vehicle as well. So it's got push button on the side that you use to to open it. So there's um and there's no, basically it's not like a regular kind of click handle. You walk up to it, press a button, doors open for you. It's got the big heads up display that people are used to seeing in 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 electric vehicles. Uh, a big, I think it's a 17, maybe 15 inch display in there, um, which has a manual dial that you can use to pump up the volume. Everyone likes to turn the dial, turn up the volume, but everything else you can control digitally. So your dashboard is very, very basic, but you can control a lot of the car's specs from there and, and settings from there. And it has profiles, so it can actually remember. So you could have Billy's profile, Marcus's profile, Funk's profile, Nick's, Dev's profile, and it would have all your settings for you. And it uses AI to remember how you use the vehicle as well. So if you call your mum every Wednesday, it will say on a Wednesday at seven o'clock, for example, if that's when you call your mum, do you want to call your mum? Or if you go to the gym at seven o'clock every Wednesday and you get in your car, 6.50, it'll say, I'll be going to the gym. You know, little like clever bits of AI intuity that you kind of would enjoy. I don't know. I mean, some. I mean, I'd like that kind of stuff. I don't know. How do you feel about that? That sounds kind of cool that it will direct me where to go yeah. without yeah. even having to put it into the actual yeah. car. It just goes, oh, you're going here. Yeah, man. Let's go. It's similar, yeah. a similar sort of tech to your phone. 100%. Say you go to your place of work every single day, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, your phone will work out. That's your place of work. Yeah, yeah. It's not as scary as people make out. It's like, yeah. oh, my phone knows where I work. Yeah. No, you're just there all the time and yeah. your phone has figured it out. And I like keep saying to my phone that my work isn't Spearmint Rhinos. Well. But I, yeah, maybe I fre- frequent there a little bit more often than most. But, you know, what's a man's meant to do? You 10 minutes I mean? to go and there's some traffic as well. <laughs> going for your quick lap dance on a thursday now nah, but um yeah no I'm, I'm not scared of that kind of stuff like whatever man um but it's quite intuitive which is nice it's something that i've always spoke about with ford is that their smart onboard systems could do it a little bit of bringing up to the time um and they've definitely moved in a different direction with this obviously when you're planning journeys as well because it's an electric vehicle it will help you suggest where you're going to stop off so it will take into account temperature distance where you're going kind of plot stops to get your electric top-ups along the way 
which is necessary, right? Yeah. Um, as a vehicle, because it's an electric vehicle as well, it's got a massive battery at the bottom of it, which means it sticks to the floor when you take it on the track. There's stats on the website. We'll give you a link to it, but it's it's frigging fast, the regular one, let alone the GT version that's going to drop the year after, which I love. is sexy. Um, it's outperforming a lot of vehicles when you take it on the track because electric cars, they have instant takeoff. When you put your foot down, there's no fuel having to be ignited to create, you know, t- t- torque. It's just go straight away, which is quite nice. The one thing I found with electric cars, I've only recently discovered yeah. that there's no, uh, there's no gears. No oh, gears. Oh, all all electric cars are uh, automatic on that. Yeah, it just goes. Oh, that's surprising, but then again, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it just goes like faster or slower. What's really interesting is when you take your foot off the gas in an electric car, it doesn't. You don't get that coast that you get in a regular just car. It just kind of starts to slow down. Yeah. Um, in terms of noise, is a big thing about the the Mustang Marquee as well. Is um, it doesn't have the Mustang noise, but if you put it into sports mode, unleashed is what it's called. The speakers in the car let off like a kind of, it's, it's, uh, it's like a, I can get it for you. We can play it on the it, pod. It makes it sound like a, I'm assuming I can get, I can gather what it is. It makes it sound like it's going to be a gas powered car. So you put the foot down and the, it plays a sound. Good guess. It doesn't just go like, wum, 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 wum. That'd be funny if it was just a guy going, but it's not, it's not like that at all. It's like this weird, it's not weird. It's like, it feels like they've watched Blade Runner and Tron and mix those noises with the, I mean, I can try and play it into the, I've got it here on my phone. I've got, I've got a noise. Let me try and get out of here. Should we try? Here we go. Basically, That's him spinning around friggin' That's him doing some cone work Sticking real well We might do another rev here Here we go Do you, do you see what I mean though? It's kind of I mean, like Tronny it, it does sound pretty cool to be fair it's not bad. It's, I'm glad that I've got that sound there. That sounded pretty good. Um, so, yeah, man. So, that's the Mucky. It looks lovely. And I'm not the cariest car guy. So, um, I'm saying it looks lovely from a point of view. It looks, it looks really cool. It's got the Mustang vibe to it. And it's an electric vehicle, man. And I think at its price point, which I believe starts at 60 grand. 60 big ones. It's much closer in terms of cost, maybe it's less now. Please check the website. And we'll put a, can we put a live price on the website, Billy? But I just remember hearing the price and thinking, at least it's not 80 grand, 90 grand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're kind of pricing it in a way that is competitive to the other SUVs on the market, a.k.a. the Tesla. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's the Mark E uh, from Mustang. We've got links to all those in the show description. But without further ado, let's hop into our interview with Cami, aka Chris Kamara. Before we went on the interview, I was calling him Chris. I don't know. I was like, "You're right, Chris." He's like, "Don't call me Chris. Only my missus calls me Chris." I was like, he "Sorry, Cami." Yeah, because I didn't want to be like, "Yo, Cami," because that's like his nickname. Like, but yo, Cam, what's up, Cam? You're right, Cam. That's like uh, if, if we ever met someone, I'd know. Like Will Smith, I'd be like, "Hi, William," or. 
Or Pro Green. Do you like do you call him Professor Green? Do you call him Pro Steven. Green? Or what? what do you call isn't him? Isn't his name Stephen? Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, like, yeah it's Steve. a bit awkward, isn't no, it? No, man, bring you back down to earth. Yo, Stephen. No, I don't know, man. But that's but he's not called he's not called prof- he's not called Professor Green. That's not his real name. But Cam- oh, what do you mean? Oh, Would yeah. I call him Professor or Green, Mister Green? Yeah. But then Cam is not his real name, is it? Is his, his, his real name is Chris. Chris Kamara. Yeah. But you know, that's Cam is like a nickname. That's like, exactly. that's like me saying, "All right, Bronzy." That's all right. But, but okay, so if someone come up to you who didn't know you, they're like, "All right, Bronzy." Happens all the time. It's better for them to call me Mr. Bronzy than Mr. Marcus because he is a very famous porn star. Yeah, we, I was about to say we, we did we did it in uh, one of the I won't say investigate, but we did cover this on a very first one of our very first episodes. Yeah, Ace was. called me Mr. Marcus and stopped doing it very quickly after. Very quickly after he found out who Mr. Marcus yeah, was. Yeah, Mr. Marcus out there packing that. He's packing. He's packing out there, bro. He's not messing around. <laughs> Whenever anyone calls me Mr. Marcus, I'm like, Mr. Marcus, yeah? Okay. Where have you been okay. watching? I must be wearing grey sweatpants on a hot day. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyway, Chris Kamara joined us on the show. Um, Funk Butcher, who unfortunately has a sore wrist at the moment. He was in the interview as well, so you're going to hear him piping up. But this is a really, really lovely interview. It's not only funny, it's deep. We have great kind of depth with regards to what we cover across football over the years. And we also get some great cameisms in there as well. Play a game of Camel Spam at the end as well, which is lovely too. Uh, yeah, make sure you check it out. Uh, make sure you get the album as well. We talk about it a lot. There's a little uh, taster in there too. Hope you enjoy this, man. I'll catch you on the other side and let you know what's coming up in the next episode of season two of How to Kill an Hour. Very nice to welcome Cami on the show. Hey, hey. It's great to meet you. Oh, couldn't be any better. Yeah? You're looking well? <laughs> For an old man, yes. <laughs> 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 well, let's just talk about what we're going to talk about today. It's inevitable that we're going to talk about football because I believe that's quite a bit of your life. <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> but we're also here to talk about the Christmas album as well. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I listened to one of the tracks that you've released on Spotify on the way over. And Chris, you can actually sing, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think the record company would have spent all that money if I couldn't sing. <laughs> Even though the 22-piece big band sound fantastic, um, you do need somebody to front it. Yeah. What was it like being in a studio with that band? Because there's a a video that's going around on the internet as well showing some behind-the-scenes you record in the album. Awesome. Awesome it was, yeah. I was in awe when I first met them all. Uh, It was at Angel Studios in Islington. And uh, there's 22 of them there. And they play the Royal Albert Hall, the Prague Philharmonic, and all of a sudden, this ex-footballer's turning up and standing in front of them. So I thought they'd think, you know, this is how low down we've come now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they were great. They were absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And I didn't have any, because monitors and all that is, is new to me, in-ears. Uh, so I didn't have any in-ears in. So the conductor kept waving his stick towards me, but I didn't know when to go in because yeah. the music was so loud. It was so good, but it, and I was just enjoying it. And he said, you need to watch me and I'll cue you in for when you need to sing. Okay. <laughs> so he's, he's trying to conduct you with his hands and you're just going, yeah, this yeah, is... Yeah, uh, yeah. It sounds this is great. Nice. <laughs> oh, it's my turn, it's my turn. Yeah, yeah. 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 But this isn't your first foray into singing. I think you kind of let us know about your voice a, a little while back in terms of how you can sing though, right? Uh, well, I've always liked to sing a little bit, and uh, you know, there's singing and there's singing. There's singing with a twenty-two piece big man, yeah, 
and having a proper record company produce it. Yeah. And there's normal singing like I do in my bar in Tenerife. <laughs> 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 After adding a, you know, 10 or 12 pints. Oh, no, I wish I could anymore. Um, the, the, my, the belly wa- my belly won't hold it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The audience, they're a bit more forgiving, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They've also so, had 10 or 12 pints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you listen back the next day and it's like some old crow. Where yeah. was that come from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, though, in terms of like, Stage fright. You you were in P- in front of like a twenty two piece band. How was that compared to like being in playing in front of thousands of people when you're when you was playing football or even being on TV? Yeah. How, well, how, how was the nerves? It was nervous. I never get nervous. You know, the, since um, going into TV, mm-hmm. all this has been a bonus for me. So going into TV, uh, working for Sky, working on Ninja Warrior for ITV, doing Hi-ya. all the Doing all the shows, you know, catchphrase, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, tipping point, um, acting on Emmerdale, not a problem. But standing in front of those 22 and thinking, oh, God, please, hopefully they like the sound of my voice. Because if they don't, I'm sure they're all going to get up and walk out. And say, <laughs> I mean, I, you, you, you've wasted our time here. Yeah. So it really was, it was a bit, the heart yeah. was pumping. for, an, And to be honest, I got a kick out of that. Yeah. Yeah, because I haven't had that for a while, you know, because you take things for granted when you can naturally do them. So when when you're nervous, um, it's all like, it's a a feeling that you've not had for a while. It's Mm. like, you know, when you get upset about something and you you can't stop yourself getting upset because, you you know, it affects you really badly. Whereas the nerves thing... You know, maybe that was the probably the little shot up the arm that I needed yeah. to stand in front of them and make sure I could perform. Was it like being on trial at a club? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, you got to impress yeah. the manager? Yeah, yeah. Or, I thought you yeah. meant like in court. So, yeah, so I waited till, till the break and we had a cup of tea. And then, so I like went round to them and 50% of the band, there was men and women, I would say there was 15, 16 men and the rest were, were women in the band. And thinking that they were upper class and that they'd all talk with a silver spoon in yeah, the yeah, 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 they yeah, were yeah. exactly the same as us. Yeah, They yeah, were just yeah. proper people who were great. Most of them were football fans. Wicked. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so we ended up chatting in the break and they were saying, oh, it sounds great, sounds great. And I'm going, can you, are you sure you can hear me? <laughs> <laughs> and they were going, no, it really sounds great. And it's, we're so pleased that we've got you on board. And hopefully we've booked the um, Royal Albert Hall for November 2020 Oof, wow. to, do, to do the Christmas songs there. But that all depends on how well the album does this Christmas. Well, I was going to talk about the the theme of the album, but you kind of just gave it away there. So it's a festive album, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's all the classics, Let It Snow, uh, Santa Baby. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Um, Frosty the Snowman. Hey. All those types. <laughs> Rudolph. Hey. Yes. <laughs> yeah, all those types of songs. And one brand new song called Here's to Christmas. Here's to the season, happy holidays. And that is penned by yourself, right? No, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) wish. It's a fella called Richard Scott who works for, works with, sort of like um, 
uh, well, he's done stuff for Michael Bublé, but normally does writing for Robbie Williams. So, right, okay. So yeah. he, he's penned this Christmas song. Because I thought the nine covers, everybody knows them, but not probably heard them with a the swing band. So that's fine. That takes care of itself. Yeah. What with the standalone song, what would it be like? Will it fit in with all the others? And it is such a catchy, wonderful tune. It's brilliant. Wicked, wicked. And and how would you describe your sound to those who haven't heard you singing, who haven't seen a preview? It's hard to describe yourself. The only thing I could say, I've had... It's cammy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's cammy. But a lot of people saying it a, sounds a bit buble-ish or, you know, and, and, and other people are saying this, I have to say, not me. Or Frank Sinatra-ish, hey, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a little bit like when you go over to the park and say, who'd, who'd you play like? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, a bit yeah, like Zidane, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> True, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gone right to the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, Christmas album and, and the release date? It's on the 15th of November. Perfect time so, for Christmas. Yeah, which is great. And, yeah. uh, you can download it on all these... Spotify, <laughs> Amazon. Did you say? Yeah. Did you say Spotify? Spotify. There you go. It's a new one. Camison. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Um, so uh, we're hopeful. Yeah, we're hopeful. But, you know, a lot of competition at Christmas. Yeah, man. Mm. Uh, George Michael, God rest his soul. Yeah, is bringing out some unrecorded songs. So that's competition. Robbie Williams has done a lot of covers with other people. Um, I heard one the other day it was a Slade track and I'm not sure that's the type of song that you should cover because that's a Christmas classic yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know. I believe that some sh- things should be untouched oh, yeah. 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 yeah yeah, and of um, course there's the, the Christmas high priestess Mariah Carey she's oh, always, yeah. She's yeah, always yeah. lurking around Christmas she's never well, going away mate she's <laughs> no, never going every but Christmas she's, she's never back. had a uh, a number one in the UK. Really? So that's why she's doing her best to change that. Really? Okay. But every year at Christmas time, she must drop back into the charts. Like yeah, that yeah. song yeah. must drop in yeah. every single year. Yeah. Well, they wow. all earn a fortune, don't they? Naughty Older says it's yeah. his pension every year. There you go. Christmas. Mm. So. Good shout, Cammy. Joining the Christmas gang <laughs> yeah, then. Getting that Christmas change. <laughs> Christmas every year. Yeah. I did MTV yesterday and they put it on the Christmas playlist nice. already. And that'll be forever in a day. So. Awesome. Let It Snow is on there. Not Here's to Christmas, but Let It Snow. I'm working on Here's to Christmas to get yeah. it on there. And you've had some spins on radio as well. I think Moyles dropped a track, didn't he, recently? Yeah, first one to play the um, uh, the track on the, the um, 5th of November, was it? Uh, Wednesday, sorry, the 6th of November. Yeah. Moyles, they don't play Christmas songs on Radio X. But he's me mate, Moyles, and so I said, look, you can have first dibs at this. And he said, well, let's have a listen first. And he went, wow, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. He went, yeah, I'll play it. Yeah. And he gave it the biggest plug ever. It was Wicked. brilliant. That's yeah. what you want then. That's what you want. So with regards to singing, were you, have you always been someone who's been singing in the changing rooms and you're just playing footy at home? It's hard to sing in the changing room because the lad's batty. Absolutely batty. You know what it's like? Oh. Yeah. So um, the banter going around would just destroy you, if you know what I mean. But I did sing in front of uh, my teammates. I signed for Leeds in January 1990 on the Monday. And uh, it was the first week in January. And on the Tuesday, Howard Wilkinson said, you'll train with the boys for the first time on Tuesday morning. Mm -hmm. And then Tuesday afternoon, we'll fly to Dublin. We've got a friendly against Shelbourne uh, in Dublin. And then uh, on the Wednesday, fly back Thursday, and then 
bit of training Friday and a match on Saturday. Great, no worries. So we flew to Dublin. Um, we, he took us to this restaurant. So there was a pianist in the restaurant. So halfway through dinner, I went to the loo, came back from the loo. I said to the pianist, can you play your song, Elton John? And he said, yeah, can you sing it? I said, well, that's debatable, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll give it a go. And uh, he played your song, and I stood up in front of my teammates who I hadn't really met, Vinnie Jones, Mervyn Dame, Mel Sterland, um, Chrissy Fairclough, Lee Chapman, Gordon Strachan, as I said, um, Rod Wallace, all those players, and sang your song. Got a big round of applause, and Gordon Strachan stood up and said, that's our shy new shine in there. Yes, <laughs> great. So that's the only time I remember singing in front of the lads. I mean, that definitely must have taken some balls singing in front of Vinnie Jones trying to melt that heart. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Vinnie wanted to get up, but the geese didn't, didn't play. He didn't play madness and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, trousers. <laughs> yeah. If you had to construct like a barbershop quartet made up of players, who would you have in your? Your little crew. Well, Lionel Messi's always got to get into anyone. <laughs> Can you sing, Lionel? That is a question. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love it if you had a proper bassy singing voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have a yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who would I have? Obviously, Jeff Delinoir, you know, is mm. my big pal. It'd be, it'd be lovely to get him on, on board. So, Soccer Saturday, lads, and my new team, you know, when you strike friendships throughout the years in all the teams that I've played for mm -hmm. uh, and I had nine clubs 12 moves nine clubs I signed for Portsmouth on two separate occasions signed for Sheffield United on two separate occasions and signed for Swindon on two separate occasions and I'll be honest with you all those clubs signed me again because they couldn't believe how bad I was the first time <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> so uh, you strike up a great friendship with teammates, but then when you finish playing, it's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, yeah. you hardly keep in touch with anybody. So the new teammates are the Soccer Saturday mob. So, yeah, so it'd be nice to have Tomo, uh, Charlie Nicholas, and Merce, and Jeff has been back in band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what do you love about Christmas the most then? Because this is going to be a thing that you're going to have to talk about loads. Christmas is now going to be associated with Cami now, if all yeah. goes to plan. I've hated Christmas for a long, long time. Not, not for the reasons that people might think. I've hated Christmas because I was born on Christmas Day. Really? Yeah. Mm. Wow. So from the age from, I can remember... We didn't have a lot of money in our household, so to get one present on Christmas Day was a bonus, never mind two for my birthday. So it was pretty much overlooked mm -hmm. as I was growing up. And then when I became a professional footballer at 16, we always played on Boxing Day, so I never ever had a drink on Christmas Day. And then obviously you play on the 28th and then you play New Year's Day, so you've got to look after yourself. So I did that. I played for 22 years, so it wasn't until I was 39 that I actually had a good drink on my <laughs> birthday. So you can have a rest. I, yeah. I was yeah. pretty much a miserable, you know. <laughs> apart from obviously when my two young kids were born, then it's a different type of Christmas mm -hmm. with them. So that's how much Christmas meant to me then. But um, strange now. I've made up for it, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so don't feel too sorry for me. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Christmas now means family. We've got grandkids. Um, we've got um, my oldest son's got... Uh, a wife, so her family come around as well on Christmas Day. So there'll be about 16 or 17 of us on Christmas Day. Nice. And it would be nice to celebrate Christmas number one. No, oh, yeah, that'd be a big one. Who's, who's getting busy in the kitchen, though, before you celebrate this Christmas number um, one? Yeah. Well, my two sons love cooking. Oh, that's all right, yeah. Yeah, my wife's a great cook. So, um, Buster Sprouts man, are you a Buster Sprouts man? Nah, well, I, I like them, yeah, yeah. No, but I won't cook them. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you like Buster Sprouts? No, I can't stand them. It's, no, a, it's a real Marmite thing, is it? Because I think I think they taste like and yeah. smell like farts. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely as they're like Marmite, yeah. innit? if you like it, you don't. Yeah, it's yeah, one of those yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my, my mum will like cook hundreds <laughs> of them and be like, oh yeah, more for me, love them. Yeah. So you love them then? Yeah, I, I love them, but you never eat them any other time apart from Christmas Day, do you? Yeah, well, I, yeah. yeah. They yeah. only come out for Christmas Day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, then you can man the bottle of brandy then at Christmas I'm time. I'm the you drinks man. There you go. I'm the drinks man. I provide everybody who comes into our house because we have open house from, we finish up lunch about two and then about six o'clock, Everybody comes around, it's, uh, evening, friends, as well as family, and we have a bit of a shindig now. So Nice. Mm. You shake a leg as well as singing? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, man. Old man style. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, proper dad dancing. <laughs> yeah? Proper dad dancing. Ah, yeah, you've <laughs> got to bring that out. Um, so this show's called How to Kill an Hour, uh, Cammy. So we like to ask each of our guests how they like to kill time. Now, you're a busy man at the moment, but mm -hmm. how do you like to kill time when you get that little bit of downtime? Uh, I live on a farm, so okay. I have animals that I can look after. Um, I spend loads of time with the horses, a uh, little bit of time with the sheep, a um, little bit of time with the chickens. Um, we've got a cat as well, so yeah, that's my release. My wife knows if I go missing for an hour or two, she can find me down at the stables. Oh, wicked. Do you ride yeah. the horses? We used to, once yeah. upon a time, but I've lost my bottle now that all the horses are pets. 
Yeah, fair enough. Fair Can enough. we expect like a old McDonald kind of themed yeah, album? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I can see it. A kids' yeah. Christmas album. A kids' Christmas album. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here That'll first. One. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So CBBs, are you listening? There we go. Hey, <laughs> why not in the night garden? Yeah, cool. Um, so <clears throat> you don't ride the horses. Do you eat the sheep, or do you just look at him? No, don't be daft. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> okay, pescatarian, I should say. But okay. my wife ate me saying that. Okay, because she still eats <laughs> meat, but she doesn't eat, eat meat at home anymore. Okay. Right. But if we go out to a restaurant, she'll have a burger or a steak or some chicken or whatever. Fair enough. But uh, she doesn't eat meat at home, and I don't, I'm not stopping her. Yes, yeah. you know, sheep have got character, and that that's what turned me off eating meat. That sheep can actually you can actually call them and they'll eat out of your hand mm. and anything that's got that type of character and I know pigs have I'm not so sure about cows but they must have so I thought like that's it really? but, but talk, no to me, talk to me Cam because I'm, I've been trying for so long and it's just it's hard to break that relationship with that juicy <laughs> burger <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been a, uh, uh, is it pescatarian for yeah two and a two and a bit years okay yeah, not long yeah. not long but I don't miss it okay. it actually opens your palate because there's stuff that you you open a menu don't you in a restaurant yeah, yeah, yeah. your eyes go straight to the steak burger yeah. or the fish and chips yeah. that's yeah. it yeah. nothing else exactly yeah. now I look look at the menu and see what they've got vegetarian and try the dishes and some of them are absolutely fantastic mm. Mm. Yeah. and you know, I love Indian food. I could eat Indian food, breakfast, lunch, yeah, and yeah. dinner. Mm. Um, so, vegetable biryani, vindaloo mm. hot. Oh, yeah. Now Although we're talking. I've had to stop having vindaloo hot. My um, voice coach says it burns your esophagus. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, while I'm singing, I've got to stop that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening, Cammy's rider, no more vindaloo, please. Thank you very much. No, no. <laughs> yeah. What about eggs out of the chicken? I'm just going to go through all the animals. What about chickens? Do you have a few eggs off them then? That's all right. Uh, then. Yeah, we can right. eat the chickens, yeah. Right. My son's vegan, actually, but oh, wow. the one thing that he will eat is his own chickens. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> not his own chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, technically, that's not... <laughs> It'd kill me if I said that. <laughs> you imagine, yeah, I'm a vegan, but I eat my own chicken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And the cats, I can't, well, there's nothing you can really do with those. Just pet them. You can't eat those yeah, or melt those or no. have their whatever. No. We've got a right, talking cat, Izzy. Her hey? name is, yeah. She, she tells you what she wants, when she wants to go out, when she wants something to eat. She has a different... Um, sounds, like, sounds like a Disney character. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, meow, what, meow, what meow was that? Uh, what was that one? That meow was the hungry meow. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's like a what's the let me out meow then? Uh, let me out is it's constant. Meow 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 meow. <laughs> it's like <laughs> let you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's brilliant. That's it wicked. is so good. <laughs> Cats are clever though. I was, you always look at a cat in the eyes, and I think there's a lot going on behind those yeah, eyes. Yeah, they yeah, they're they're very wise. They're very yeah. wise. It's the way they play with mice. Oh, like I said, we live on we live on a farm, yeah. so she'll often bring them in, and she's carrying them sort of like a hundred yards, and they'll come in, and the, there's no harm to them whatsoever until she decides that. You know, yeah. to bring pest, the, pest control to, to bring yeah. down the chop. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're, so your cat's a vegan, but it only eats its own mice. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I saw you getting quite um, 
emotional about something that happened in football the other day. I'm going to say three letters to you, Cami. VAR. Mm-hmm. It's it's causing a bit of a, 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 a it's causing a lot of conversation across barber shops, yeah. football stages across the land. Yeah. And um, you were quite upset with a VAR decision the other day. Weren't I you? was on really, a scale really of one upset. to ten. How much do you hate it? Sizzling. I don't hate it. Yeah. I just think it's been run wrongly. Okay. Yeah. So what's, what's going on there? Like, yeah. Do you want to talk us through that? Because well, that was interesting. The, the the initial thing when I I went to Stockley Park in the summer um, because they treated all the pundits and commentators, to a preview right. of how it was going to be. And the demonstration that it put on was perfect. It okay. was really, really yeah. good. But you knew straight away that it was going to be carnage mm-hmm. once they started because they're using VAR in a different way that, that uh, they're using it in Europe. In Europe, the referee goes over to the monitor, he has a look, and then they make the decision. We saw it in the Euros... Um, it does waste a little bit more time, yeah. but at least then the referee knows what the score is, and they're explaining to him along the way on what they're going to do, why they've made that decision. Our lot have not helped the referees when they needed to be helped. When they didn't need any help, they've interfered, so they've made it virtually impossible. And the decision I got upset about was because the line on when it was Firmino was given offside against Aston Villa, mm-hmm. the line from the VAR was not straight. It yeah. was not straight. <laughs> so somebody doctored it yeah. to make him offside. Yeah. You know, just because they'd made the decision to disallow the goal, they had to justify it by making the line out of line. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I got upset. Yeah, because yeah. the one thing that I got told off about was there's no such thing as, well, he's only just offside. He's either offside or he's onside. Yeah, right? so. Okay, so that's fine. If that's the way you want to play it, well, Firmino was onside, but you made him offside. That was mm. my opinion. I think it's almost as controversial as Sterling's one at the, the, the beginning of the season with his armpit or something like that. Was it, is it yeah, that game? Yeah, well, that was yeah. the one that was called as the armpit, yeah. So it's just been, the way they've implemented it has been so poor. So poor. They they had the bar really low. Now the bar's so high. It's they don't know what they're doing. They really haven't got a clue. They need to scrap it. I think take it away from this season and then start again next. And yeah. how do we make sure we do it right? How do we do it right next season? Then? Well, I think they do it right. I think they need a football person with them. You know, yeah, the referees yeah. know the laws of the game. Yep. Quite a lot of them don't know the game itself because they've not played the game or they've played it at an amateur level and they're not quite sure about certain situations. So let's implement somebody in there with them. There's loads of ex-footballers who'd love to go and help them. Just run it by them. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that they have to take their opinion, but run a decision by them. How would you, how would you go with that decision? Would you go for it or against it? And he'd probably give his opinion. Yeah, for it. No, don't go for it. Then it gives them a, something to think about. But at the moment, you've got referees, refereeing referees. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they're frightened to go against their immediate decision. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to use a machine to do something like that, I think it has to be right 
100% of the time. Without a doubt. Because referees, I understand they're humans. Sometimes their line of sight might oh, be obstructed. Things happen. Yeah. And yeah, you know what? There's times when decisions have gone my way. Yeah. There's times when decisions have gone my opposition team's way. Cool. But yeah. if they do it with tech, I feel like there needs to be no room for mistakes. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, are we getting to a stage now? Do you feel like, I mean, this is a tech podcast, but do you feel that tech is actually spoiling football? Too much technology in it? Um, is, is it taking the, the the human error aspect out of the game, which is not the, necessarily the f- not if it's done right. If it's done right, then there shouldn't be too much of a problem. The problem that we've got is not done right, and I also feel for the referees. I understand, you know, when you say something, it affects on referees. But I have to say, we're all accountable for what we do, mm-hmm. for what we do, for what we say, for how we act, especially when the media is. is Mm-hmm. The you know the cast is on you. Um, you have to be one hundred percent right or committed to whatever you do. And referees, I do understand they are under pressure. And you wouldn't if you saw if I see a referee t- today and and he's in a cafe or in a bar, I'll go and have a drink with him. I'll go and have a sit down and have a chat with him. But when you're dealing with professional sport, you have to give your opinion. You have to be correct on that. Mm. And sometimes. You know, pe- people do go over the top. There's no yeah. doubt about that. People do go over the top. They've got to remember that these people, even though they're making mistakes, are hopefully not doing it deliberately. And that's mm. why I was so upset about the Firmino thing because I thought that was deliberate. How about the situation or scenario would it be if we had a completely digitized referee where it's, everything is either black or white? So you actually don't have a any human element in the decision making on the pitch is that is that too far yeah that's impossible virtual reality in football no no i'm afraid that that that'll never happen uh you can do your computer games on that but no. <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, not in live football <laughs> and that computer game ref is sometimes an arsehole as well that was not a red card yeah. over there on fifa yeah, yeah i swear sometimes they got in for me yeah I mean, you made an important point actually about people being responsible for their actions and there's been, uh, racism football has been something that's been a conversation that's been had Mm. over the years and I think it's kind of not coming to a head now but it's been something that's been higher profile this season. As as a young black footballer who kind of, you know, you're playing across the 80s and the 90s, how is it kind of watching how things have changed recently? I mean, is is there a marked improvement as uh, compared to how things were for you back in the day and now? Oh, yes. It was a nightmare when I was growing up. Uh, an absolute nightmare. I was the second black player to play for Portsmouth, the first black player to play for Brentford, and the first black player to play for Swindon. So you can imagine growing up. Um, I made my debut. <gasps> it's going to sound awful, isn't it? In seventy four, seventy five season, when I was sixteen year old. So back then, I played for Portsmouth, who had a national front element in the crowd. Not. Not a massive national front element, but there was about two or three hundred and make themselves known. So not only do, would they boo me off when I was crap, they'd boo me onto the pitch in the first place. You know, so that was for something that throughout the years that I've accepted, you know, you've accepted that, yeah, that, that was just then and this is now. All of a sudden, I'm starting to think, why did I accept all that? You know, why Why was there nobody around? Why was there no teammates around? Why was there no managers around? And that is the biggest thing why myself, John Barnes, Viv Anderson, Luther Blissett, um, Howard Gale, who used to play for Liverpool, 
and black players from that ilk, Brendan Batson, do not want players walking off the pitch at this moment in time. No way. We fought so hard and worked so hard through all that strife for now for for you know for people to say they need to walk off the pitch. No, they don't. They need to stay on the pitch and defy the racists in mm-hmm. the same way England did in Bulgaria. If England had gone off that pitch then copycat after copycat after copycat would be would follow England around because people would think we can get these games cancelled we can get ourselves heard uh, all these Nazis Nazis would be heard all over the place yeah we got that game stopped we got that game stopped in Italy it's an absolute shocker Balotelli the other day was about to walk off the pitch and his teammates convinced him to stay on. He stayed on the pitch and he scored. That was the win. That mm-hmm. was the win. Mm-hmm. They lost out. Get them out of the stadium and keep the players on the pitch. That has got to be the motto. Just to put into perspective for a lot of the younger listeners, what was the support network for <laughs> when you... I've been Honestly, there was programs on the telly called Alf Garnet and Love Thy Neighbour. Yeah, um, okay. The yeah. N word was used constantly. Playing against a Nignog. <laughs> equal rights does not entitle Nignogs to move next door. Get that Nignog off that machine. And why should I? Because I said so. Okay, let's you sort. keep your black nose out of this shambles. Uh, calm down, please. Calm down. Well, while you've been doing your duty, we've got rib work. Pardon? <laughs> Spread from next door. What, them nignogs? <laughs> I knew it. They never wash, you know. Do what? It's with them being black. They probably don't bother, you see. They can't tell whether they're dirty or not. And it was just taking the mickey out of black people the whole time. And, you know, and I would go into the dressing room at Portsmouth the following day after they'd been on that night before. And the lads would be talking about it and how funny it was. And then I'd walk in it, go quiet for a second. And then someone would say, oh, you don't mind, or do you, Cammy? And you go, no, no, I can't mind. Yeah. Because I am one voice. Of course. And they would have kicked me out of that dressing room straight away and said, mm. oh, you know, you got a chip on your shoulder, this, that, and the other. So you had to go with the flow. And that's why I'm saying to you that, that when I look back now, it's, it's, it's been a sort of acceptance that you had to take reluctantly, but I wouldn't change a thing, really. I just think that was then, this is now, let's get on with it and let's make sure that we keep these football players on the pitch and we don't let people stop football matches for the sake of racism. So so what you're saying is, in, in your point of view, it's not John Barnes and the likes of yourself saying, just stay on the pitch and pretend it's not happening. You're saying, stay on and defy and take the power back off the people that oh, are trying to get you off the pitch. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Let's get the people. The The first game to be abandoned was Harrogate Borough versus Yeovil just a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. The Yeovil town manager um, was disappointed with his own supporters. The Harrogate Borough manager came on five live and he said 99.9% of those Yeovil Town fans were fantastic. 0.1% caused that game to be abandoned. So why not go over to them supporters, get the police, and say, let's get these two people out. They made two arrests the following week. So it was two people that caused Harring- Harringay Borough to walk off the pitch. That can't be right. 
that can be right. The two people can stop a football match mm-hmm. by shouting racism chants. If you hear it and you're a white person and it disgusts you, then get these people out the ground. Mm-hmm. Get them out the ground. Identify them to the police straight away and get them not get them kicked out of the ground. When it's a lot more like it is like it was in the Bulgaria game, they left at half time. They had to leave at half time, otherwise they would have all been arrested. And they left and England didn't win. The reason why England didn't win in terms, obviously they won the football match, but 50% of the people were still saying that having followed protocol, they should have walked off the pitch. They had the two warnings and then the third time it happens, you've got to walk off. They didn't walk off. They stayed on the pitch. So England couldn't win. Whatever way you looked at it, if they walked off the pitch, everyone says, yeah, they did the right thing. If they stay on the pitch, yeah, they did the right thing because the races went out of the ground. But I still feel that they should have walked off to make that stand. Mm. No, they did everything right, in my opinion. And UEFA and FIFA should have came, came down so hard on Bulgaria, but they didn't. Why didn't they? Because they're a football association. They're not a, they need Bulgaria. They need Bulgaria as a country. They need England as a country. So they need Spain as a country. Mm-hmm. They need Italy as a country because that's their football competition. So you've got to take that power away from them in terms of sanctions and give it to somebody else, give it to governments to say, right, here we are. We had that situation at the football match in Bulgaria. Now the sanctions are kick them out of the competition. Kick them out of the competition and then... They won't be so quick to do it again. Mm, mm. Do you think another opinion that's come up is docking points as well over here? Do you yeah. think that's a, is that a potential solution as well? No, it is once again. Right, so we say docking points, right? So Manchester City are three points clear uh, with one game to go, right? They're 1-0 up in their final game, so somebody decides to abuse Raheem Sterling and get the game stopped. Right, completely get the game stopped. The, uh, one of the opposing teams wins their game to win the to win the title. What do we do? Do we re- replay that game, the Manchester City game? You know, they were one nil down when the game was abandoned. Or mm. is that are we called that as a result? I don't. I don't get how you're going to be able to work things like that. Yes. They played the Haringey Borough game again. Yeovil, who were one nil up at the time when they came off the pitch, ended up winning the game three nil. Was there any ripples? Did people actually know that that game was played again? I've spoken to loads of people and they go, oh, did they? Did they? What was the score? I say, mm. well, Yeovil won 3-0. No. Mm. Nothing. Nothing came of it. Mm. So they walked off the pitch. They got another game. Uh, I don't know whether the fans were allowed in for free or no, whatever, but nothing was gained by them coming off the pitch. Fair enough, fair enough. Right, that anyway. was a bit deep. Wasn't we it? went deep. Right, let's, <laughs> let's let's bring it. Let's bring it back. No, but thank no. I, I you know, uh, it's Frank and I have to appreciate. I'm sorry for speaking on your behalf. Yeah, like, talking to somebody who's been there when when we weren't there. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's easy for us to have an opinion now, but mm-hmm. we don't know what the lay of the land was yeah, in the last yeah, yeah. twenty years with football and racism. And it's interesting to talk to people like you because the steps that you make mm-hmm. have affected what football is for us today. And mm-hmm. inside and outside of football how people yeah. treat us as black people so yeah thank you for I that I think man. it's definitely yeah. um, from my perspective I think we owe a thank you to you guys because you guys are trailblazers and yeah. you, you actually put your necks out there mm-hmm. and I guess 
what's kind of is frustrating the different voices and the different takes on social media is that they can't actually understand how isolating it must have been for yeah. you at that point in time because I guess what they're looking at it for is, is that the circumstances were the same as it is now but mm. there were just less black football players there but you had all the support and the different networks and the different um, means to kind of um, deal with the abuse but it wasn't anywhere near that kind of... No, but they didn't even have Twitter. Like, on Twitter, somebody no. can say, you know what, great decision, mate. Or someone can say, terrible decision. Yeah. You, you didn't have that, did you? No. Nothing at all. I became a manager in 95, 96 season. And I would walk into boardrooms then, and I knew immediately you get a sixth sense who was comfortable with me being in there yeah. and who wasn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, it's a sense that only black people can. 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And you know. It's like spider sense. 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this yeah. is 95, 96, and yeah. I'm the manager of Bradford City Football Club, and, and I know that people are not comfortable with me being in boardrooms. And, you know, so it's, it has come a long way you know, in terms of the, the respect and the responsibility that the likes of Raheem Sterling, uh, Jesse Lingard and all those boys give us now, mm-hmm. brilliant, absolutely brilliant. They will only ever suffer now through crowd abuse. They won't get that in real life at all, you know, wherever they go, wherever they do. So football has become a conveyor belt for racists because they can't be heard in society. So whatever goes on in mm. Brixton or anywhere, any parts of the country, uh, uh, people getting racially abused, yep. it doesn't make the headlines. It makes the headlines when it's a football match. Mm. So we have to stop that happening. Right. Interesting, yeah. I hear that. Mm. Right, so from there, Cammy, I want to take us over to, um, from football, Cammy, I want to go to uh, Action Man, Superhero Cammy. Do you know what I love read? I, I I love the story about when you're in Brazil because there's a photo that still does the rounds on social media of, of Cami standing I was there, an idiot. looking <laughs> looking like a superhero vigilante right? at the end of a chase scene. And there's a uh, yeah, vigilante Cami. That's it. That's <laughs> I, was film, an, it? I was an idiot. I was an idiot. I, you know, I could have been killed. I didn't realise. It must have just been instinct, though. Yeah, it was. Yeah, sort of it thing was. Yeah. yeah, it was. So me and my brother, uh, brother-in-law. Um, what happened is England got knocked out of the competition against Costa Rica. So, mm. so well before the Costa Rica game. So yeah. we played Costa Rica. It was a dead rubber game, nil nil. So all the England party, which had a hotel on Copacabana Beach, easy for me to say, um, and they had um, the top floor suites and everything. So they tried to give them back to the hotel, and anyway, the hotel because you paid all the way through to the final. Yeah. So uh, the FA said, are you staying out? Because I was doing a bit of work for them. I said, yeah. I said, well, you can have two suites at the top of this hotel. Nice. So I shouted me brother-in-law, do you want to come? And he went, yeah, yeah. Told him uh, that you paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> so he had this, this three-bedroom suite overlooking Kobe Gumbana. And, hey. uh, and I had one as well. So uh, anyway, Gordon Strachan rang me. He was uh, commentating for ITV. And he said, oh... I'm going to coach some kids on Ipanema Beach, which is about a mile from where I was, but it's just a walk along the beach. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he said, will you come and give me a hand at 11 o'clock? I said, yeah. He said, Adrian Charles is going to come along as well, and he'll probably collect the balls for us and stuff like that. I said, oh, I've got a ball boy as well. My brother-in-law will come down. 
So he says, right. So I said to me brother-in-law, meet me downstairs at quarter of 11. So we walk along Copacabana and then we walk in down Ipanema Beach. Now, unbeknown to me, because I didn't know this until the police told me afterwards, two locals walk past us and ask us the time. And the reason why they ask you the time is we want to find out where you come from. Okay. Because it's such a cosmopolitan place. Yeah, yeah. If you speak Portuguese, obviously you're one of them. Yep, so yep. that's fine. Anyway, we told them it was quarter to 11. That was the key then mm. that they were going to do something. Now, I have to say, my brother-in-law was walking along with Mungmi on his back, right? (laughs) 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 Because he had his shirt off and he had a massive gold chain around his neck, right? So basically, he was asking for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So these two fellas, one of them, ran in between the two of us, the middle of the two of us, hooked his finger around the gold chain and ran straight across dual carriageway so there's two cars going one way two lanes sorry going one way and two lanes going the other and he crossed straight away and instinct told me to run back the way okay so now we are both running we're level but there's four lanes of traffic yeah and there's cars coming by between us he can see me and i can see him and i'm pointing at him <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get him. You're gonna get well, him. I mean, you're using your index finger. Yeah. I think that's not the finger you're using to bring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he's running. So yeah. And you're is, screaming at him, but you can't yeah. understand you. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I wasn't. I yeah. wasn't even talking. I, I was just thinking. I know I'll get him. Yeah, yeah man. So the the uh, the reason the police said why I'm still alive today is the break in the road came when the the traffic stopped on my side. Okay. And I was able to go to the middle reservation, which forced him up a side street. Uh huh. So it forced him up a side street. They said his accomplice would have been waiting further down and he'd either shot me or stabbed me because I was chasing his mate. But because I forced him up a road, his mate wasn't there. So I'm behind him. Every time he looks around now, I'm catching him. Every time he looks around slow, I'm powering up towards him. And then I got about 10 yards away from a hotel and the, um, the ho- every single hotel had a security guard outside. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm shouting to this security guard, stop thief, stop thief. I don't know wh- whether he, he, he expected it or not. Anyway, he stood in front of the, the lad who'd robbed my brother-in-law, the mugger. And uh, as he stood in front of him, I came in and jumped on his back. And he went, what is it? What is it? And he spoke reasonable English to the security guard. I said, he stole my brother's chain. So he got him down, put his arm behind his back, right, and held him on the floor. Within a minute, the police were there. They were on every corner of the World Cup. And the policeman comes in and he says to him, uh, uh, takes off, says to the security guard, move away. And he's starting to put that handcuffs on him. So the, so the security fella from the hotel asks the mugger where the chain is. Anyway, gives him a load of crap in Portuguese. So this is the nasty bit about it all. So the security guard kicked him in the face with his boot twice. And then he told him where the chain was. So he went into his pocket, got the chain, and, uh, and they stood him up. So then the policeman got his vest and put the vest over his head and he said, I said, what are you doing that for? He said, for two reasons. One, 
um, because he it'll disorientate him, so mm. he can't run off, mm. so he doesn't know where he's going, mm. um, because obviously we're going to leave him stood up there, and two, because you saw what happened there, and there's blood, and we don't want people coming along and taking photographs of him. With, with the, oh. So, uh, whoops. That's all right, now we're all good. We're still plugged in, don't we? We're still plugged in. So, my brother-in-law um, gets there. <laughs> <laughs> Where is he? Let me out. He's, he's got there. The party's finished. Inside, mate. Inside. So the policeman goes. So we said, we, look, we've got the chain back. We've got to go. And they said, no, no, you, you've got to come to the police station and make a statement. Mm. We don't catch these fellas very often. They mm -hmm. get away with doing this all the time. Mm. So you've got to come to the station. Oh, no, I've got to do some coaching in five minutes. Mm. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> mm. So we got to the police station. We were in there for a couple of hours. So on the way to the police station, the policeman who handcuffed him said, uh, oh, you know, when I was handcuffing him there, did you see him fall and hit his face on the ground? <laughs> so my brother-in-law goes, oh my no, gosh. no, um, uh, Chris just told me that the, the, the police officer, <laughs> the security guard, kicked him in the head. <laughs> so I've elbowed Mike in the ribs. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I did see him hit his head on the ground. <laughs> You're like, what so yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went to the police station, made the statement, we came out, and the British embassy were there, and they said, um, could you please say that it was a stupid and foolish thing to do. Mm. Because if any other England fans or holidaymakers try to do that and get killed, it's not the right way to do it. So yeah. I had to come out and say, it, it, I acted on instinct, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done it. And, uh, and hopefully I was crapping myself that anybody did exactly the same and got hurt. You know, because yeah, I would have felt responsibility. Yeah. Doesn't stop you looking like a badass in that oh, picture. Though. Yeah. Yeah. My, my only thought when I phoned my wife, my only thought was they picked on the wrong people that day. Yeah, yeah. And that I sounds suppose, like a tagline for a film. Yeah, they picked on the they wrong people. <laughs> Good idea. They picked on the wrong people, but then you start to think, well, yeah, yeah. what's their home life like? Mm, Who was depending on yeah. on yeah. the young lad yeah. mm -hmm. who actually did that? Yeah. You know, did he have a mum back at home or, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, my wife said, oh, you can't think like that. You know, what if they'd have killed you? They wouldn't be feeling sorry today. True. Point. Yeah, mm -hmm. fair enough. Yeah. Mm. Right, Cammy, thank you for coming on the show. Before, oh, no, thank before you. Before we let you go, um, we always play a game with our guests. It's always like a true or false game. Mm -hmm. We try try and rhyme it with with their name. So, <laughs> so, so what we've done, <laughs> so what we've done is we've got some. We've got, you know what? I found a theme tune that that some of our younger listeners might not know, but you might recognise a sporty theme tune. And yep. we're going to play a game of cam or spam. All right, okay. is that all right with you? Of course sir? it is. The grandstand theme. <laughs> so uh, in this game of cam or spam, we're going to read out some... Because, I mean, Cammy, you've made some great commentary mistakes over the years. <laughs> I have indeed. <laughs> and one of the best things is that you don't mind talking about them. In fact, I think no, people look forward to stuff that happens. So we've got a few phrases that we'll uh, talk, tell you about. And um, I'll read them out. And you have to let us know whether you think they are cam, whether you've actually said them. Or whether they're spam. Right. All right, cool. Are you ready for your first phrase? Go for it. Uh, funk, uh, actually, so here's the first phrase. There's a pigeon on the pitch, Jeff. Is that cam or spam? Cam. That's cam. That's something that you've actually said. Well, I'd like to let you know. 
That is Cam. There's a pigeon on the pitch, Jeff. Walter. Walter is on there and he won't get off. And so the game has been abandoned. <laughs> ah, that was a West Ham. I remember that. That was it. Fly off, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was West Ham versus Norwich at Upton Park. So what happened there? Pigeon landed on the pitch and what? Nobody wanted to clear it off then? No. No, and they, they ended up chasing it round rather than just leaving it. And yeah. Yeah, so. Alright, fair enough. Alright, for the next round of camel spam, fighting like beavers. Is that a cam, cam or a spam? He's good cam. At this. It's a cam, yeah? Their football arsenal is on another level, but Spurs are fighting like beavers. Defending for their lives. Them ferocious animals. World's deadliest creatures. Fighting like beavers. I mean, I mean, um, do, how do beavers fight? Have you seen any beavers since? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not the ones in the water. <laughs> I mean, you, did, you did make <laughs> you did make a comeback though. You did, you did make a comeback, and you did describe it. The game as a spectacle is magnificent. Spurs working like beavers. Working like beavers. Beavers work hard. I mean, if there's any, world, it's sensational. If there's anything better than that the fighting like a beaver, well. oh, that was a cat. That was a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, working like a working beavers is also a thing as well. I guess. <laughs> All right. So the final clip we've got for camel spam. There's a goal. But it's not a goal, but it is a goal because the referee's given it as a goal. Is that cam. a camera spam? That's cam. Yeah. That's Watford, <laughs> Watford versus Reading. That's the one. Jeff, unbelievable. There's a goal, but it's not a goal, but it's a goal because the referee's given it as a goal. That was ridiculous. Shot. Stuart Atwell, who actually refereed in the Premier the League, was the uh, referee that day. Yeah? yeah. Is that what it was? The ball didn't go anywhere near the goal. No? Um, oh, Ridiculous, honestly. Look it up on uh, YouTube and you'll see it. Google it. Watford versus Reading, ghost goal. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> anyway, at <laughs> half time, I went down because obviously I'd, um, for, uh, I, had the, I had it in, on the monitor, yeah. the video replay. So I went down at half time as the players were walking off the pitch to tell the uh, referee that it didn't go anywhere near the goal. And the Reading assistant manager, Steve Koppel, was the manager. But the assistant manager, who I won't name his name, <laughs> as I'm telling the referee it didn't go anywhere near the goal, he, go, he went, what the bleeping hell has it got to do with you? <laughs> 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 I thought, yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> fair, fair enough. enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for playing Camel Spam. You got them all Yay! right, mate. I've yeah, got the worst memory in the world. But <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Now you know what though. It's not an easy job, though, is it? You're there, and you've got a lot to take in when you're, do, when you're watching a game. So fair uh, enough. Yeah, well, it's difficult when you have to turn away from the game with your head headphones and. Um, you miss Look stuff. at the camera. Yeah, because yeah. then you miss stuff. But yeah, no, thank you very much for coming to the Thanks show. Thanks for having me. The it's Christmas been album. Where thank can, you. Yep, it's out, out on the 15th of November. Here's to Christmas. Let's get it to number one. Um, fake news yesterday. I had that Ladbrokes were offering 100 to 1, saying that we wouldn't make a ripple. Absolute total nonsense. Mm. Um, the only price they would give my son was 10 to 1, and then closed his account down after he had two bets at 10 to 1. <laughs> <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> oh, cheers, Cammy, man. Thank you very much. Thank Brilliant. you. Thank you. So that was the interview with Cammy, myself, Funk Butcher, here at How to Kill an Owl. It was a great episode. I hope you really like it. Uh, coming up next week, 
We're going to continue the festive spirit with some more ways to kill time. Hopefully, Frank's wrist will be back in order after his his uh, injury playing with balls. But uh, joining us on next week's show is going to be Kay Curd. It's going to be a great laugh. Uh, we've got some great tech chat coming up, some more bants, and obviously talk about what they've got going on in their career at the moment as well. Anyway, I've had you for long enough. I'm going to go and enjoy some Christmas music. And uh, actually, we've got an app that we've got our hands on, which I'll talk to you about in the next episode as well. I've been Marcus Bronzy. Funk Butcher will be with you real soon. And I've been producer Bill. Plenty of ways to kill some time out there. Thank you for killing some time with us. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.